Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network is a Moonsault Media production and is intended for private use only. For more information, contact RetromaniaPodcast at gmail.com. The tradition continues. World Championship Wrestling presents Wrestle War 92. War game. A flip of the coin determines the balance of power in a cage where survival of the fittest is the only goal. Sting leads his squadron into battle against the maniacal forces of Paulie's dangerous alliance. <laughs> Paulie, be prepared to surrender! The dangerous alliance would rather die than surrender to you. One team will stand. One team will fall. In a match, fear the world over. Destroy or be destroyed. With WrestleWar 92, only $39.98 per cassette. And only from Tenor Home Entertainment. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to some bonus content here on Marking Out the Days Weekend Warriors, a part of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm one half of you, the hosting squad, Dave Rosenbluth, and joining me, as always, the mayor of Retromania, the guy that does it all, and then some, Kobe Nida. Uh, welcome, buddy. What's going on, man? What's up, man? I'm hyped for this bonus episode. Um, kind of ties in with our show, Weekend Warriors. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I thought it was pretty cool that we could, you know, sit down and... Uh, and uh, do this is we're going to be uh, bringing all you guys a watch party of the Wrestle War 1992 main event, the War Games, pitting Sting Squadron against the Dangerous Alliance. And for those of you that have um, that are history wrestling history buffs, I should say, um, and have that have also been following our show, our new concept Weekend Warriors here on Marking Out the Days, um, we've been covering a lot of WCW Saturday Night from 1992 along with WWF superstars. Uh, but in particular for this bonus show here. Um, we're talking about the the lead up towards the main event with the Dangerous Alliance and Sting Squadron and all the things that have transpired in the last few weeks on Marking Out the Days Weekend Warriors, highlighting that rivalry. Um, but before we get into that, um, let's talk a little bit about the history of War Games and uh, give me some of your thoughts, Kobe, on War Games of of past you know prior to this edition of nineteen ninety two. Um, I am familiar with them in post, you know, like I, I didn't, okay. I didn't see them, um, as they happened. Actually, I think my first war games was one of the NWO ones and maybe the Bret Hart one, Diamond Dallas Page and Roddy Piper and Ultimate Warrior. Oh, yeah, yeah. But those were, that was the last one. Those yeah. were all very tame versions. Um, okay. But later when, uh, <clears throat> Daily Motion was popping up before the network, um, I was getting into all those war games matches. And yeah, they were cool. They were very violent and a brawling type match and everybody got yeah. color in the match. Um but mm -hmm. something about the uh, sometimes the finishes just seemed kind of like you know, lackluster, if you will. Yep. Um but yeah. that's because you have to submit. Um but you know, they they can do it now to where I mean WWE NXT has uh, done two phenomenal war games, in my opinion. Um, yep. They're great. Um, but, you know, the older ones, they're still trying to get their bearings, and wrestling was a little brawling style back then in JCP. Um, so uh, this one, though, 1992, is one of the best, if not the best, um, war games matches. Dave, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I'll be honest with you. I didn't watch all of them as they took place. I remember the first one I ever saw was the very first one in eighty uh, from nineteen eighty seven. I didn't see it live. Um, I ended up getting it at the video store. Awesome. And the video cover was of the Horsemen and uh, you know the superpowers: Dusty, Nikita, Paul Ellering, and the and the Road Warriors. And they had that like that cartoon drawing of them on the cover of the War Games eighty seven video cassette right. at the video store. So that was my first exposure to it. Um, you know, very uh, violent, but, you know, exciting to watch as a kid. Um, I'll be honest with you, I've never been a fan of the finish of War Games. Um, the the whole, you know, make one guy submit. I always thought that, and even as a kid, I thought this would have been pretty cool. If 
they like had handcuffs like hanging around the, the, the parts of the cage and you had to cuff all your opponents to the cage in order to win the match. Mm. Um, or, or at least cuff all of them and then make one of them submit or something okay. to that effect. Yeah. Um, or at least you know, like you got to pin everybody and then make somebody submit or something, you know, add a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, um, I, I, I love the first one, um, and then I remember the next one I saw was the um, the one from the year prior to this one that we're covering, from 91. It was the Horsemen against uh, Sting, Brian Pillman, and uh, the Steiner Brothers, yeah. um, which was a, which was a fun one to, to watch. Definitely. And so, um, but this one here, I remember in particular, I didn't see it as a kid, uh, but I remember wanting to get the pay-per-view. I did follow a fair amount of WCW Saturday night at that time, as we've discussed on uh, Weekend Warriors. And uh, the magazine cover, the WCW magazine cover, which was double-sided and had both teams on each side. Yeah. I remember having that magazine for the longest time because I just thought it was cool that both teams were on the cover. And this was this was really like this period of time in WCW uh, was probably the the – the first time I really was watching them on a watching their program on a consistent basis, and it had a lot to do with this rivalry with the Dangerous Alliance against pretty much you know the top names in WCW at that time, being Sting Squadron. So um, as the years have gone on, um, the visual of War Games has been pretty cool, but um, the execution of it hasn't been the best. Um, you know the some of the later ones that you watched in WCW, um, not the best versions in my opinion, although. I did like um, the one that they did in 2000 when uh, when Russo was booking and they used the the, the ready to rumble mm-hmm. three tier yes. cage and they they made it for the championship. You had to climb all the way up. Yeah, that essentially was a it was. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, that was a little different. Power I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, but I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they and they put the belt on the line. I thought that wasn't bad. Um, NXT's version of it, I like that too. Um, I think that's pretty cool. And keeping them locked in the cages on the stage, I thought that's some, some pretty fun stuff. And I like that they, even though I didn't receive it very well at first when they, when WWE decided that they were gonna um, open the cage up and it was and there wasn't gonna be a roof, um, I was like, but that's the beauty of war games. You're locked in the war games. But right. at the same time, in today's wrestling, you know. We probably would have said it was a shit war games because somebody didn't fly off the top of the cage or do you know something you know spectacular. So it, it kind of helped that they added a different element to it and a modernized version of it, making it you know now a staple for NXT. Yeah, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, and <clears throat> speaking of the 1992 era, this one that we're getting into, and you being a consistent fan watching at this time, you think part of the um, the reasoning for that is let's start setting up this match. Uh, Rick Rude recently comes over from the WWF, as well as Ricky Steamboat, two of the most popular wrestlers over there in WWF. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, sure play, I'm sure it plays a part. Um, yeah, I'm sure it plays a part in it, too. Um, you know, at, I, at the time I was young, so I, I couldn't keep up with, you know, who was coming and going um, until they actually showed up on different programs. But, um, yeah, I mean, their their rivalry really was what kicked it off. Um, now, if I remember correctly, was Rude by himself? Did they form the Dangerous Alliance before he got into it with Ricky Steamboat, or did they do that after? Um, you know what? I'm not going to – I don't know. I think it was around okay. the same time, but he was with Medusa. Okay. Um, yep. And, uh, yeah. So he came in I just, hot. I just remember that – I just remember the scene on, on an edition of WCW Saturday Night where Heyman came out and he just started introducing guys left and right. And this is the dangerous alliance. And, you know, one by one, they all came out in like tuxedos and holding their championships. And, you know, I, I remember it, at the time as a kid at nine years old feeling like it was a special moment. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like you were witnessing something special at that time. Um, and you knew that... Um, you knew that, you know, some big things were going to go down because they were, you know, you had Arn Anderson and, you know, Bobby Eaton, who were two staples of, you know, the Horsemen and the Midnight Express, respectively. Rick Rude was a big name. Steve Austin was starting to get some traction. Larry Zbysko had some credibility with Medusa and Paulie Dangerously. I mean, like, that unit, that group, um, 
as a kid, it just felt like a big deal. And, you know, now in hindsight, looking back on it, I feel like that was probably the beginning of WCW really starting to turn things around post Ric Flair. Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, Ric Flair's absence, you know, they, they had a void that they needed to fill. And this would, I think this became it, you know, there were certain, there were certainly some things regarding the product and the programming that wasn't, you know, looking back on it now, that wasn't the best, but at the same time, like we've talked about, that's been a common theme on weekend warriors, you know, we're seeing some change and looking towards the future of wrestling with some of the guys that were involved in this group. Definitely. And speaking of like the future or the, the home base of WCW sting, I mean, they, they finally solidified him as the champion and kept it on him for a long time around here. Um, and he was, you know, the face of WCW after Ric Flair's yeah. departure. Yeah, he uh, he beat Luger at uh, Super Brawl uh, in February of 92, just a few months prior to this match. And um, it just kind of took off from there. I think it was the post-match um you know, press conference that they had filmed that we kind of talked about on Weekend Warriors where you really saw the Dangerous Alliance, like, they set their sights on, like, one of their early targets, and it was the obvious choice being the champ sting. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it just really got the ball in motion for what was to come as the the focal point of storylines in WCW. Yeah, and this was a cool War Games, too, because it's five people involved. Um, Sometimes they had been four. Um, Yeah. Yeah, they bounced around different names and different, like the early ones, you know, with the horsemen, you know, in the heyday, like those were five. Right. Um, if you go and you on the WWE Network and you watch some of the, the earlier ones from the collections, um, you know, J.J. Dillon was involved in a few of them. Um, but then, like, I think it was like 90 or 91 was when they um, they introduced, um, you know, just four guys, but then they went back to five here. So it's kind of like what they did with Survivor, well, at least what WWF did yes. with Survivor Series, where they would just mess around with, you know, the format. Like, oh, we'll go to four this year, and then, oh, no, maybe we'll go back to five, you know? Mm-hmm. So just but testing either it out. way, you're still, yeah, testing it out, seeing what works for the situation exactly. and, you know, the the what they're trying to get across, you know, the, the, the story, yep. that being. Yeah, so this is um, culminating here May 17th. Um, at War Games, it's the main event, or Wrestle War, rather. It's the main event, War Games. And it's Sting Squadron, and that's Sting, Barry Windham, Dustin Runnels, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, and Nikita Koloff. Going against the Dangerous Alliance, the DA, if you will. That's Paulie Heyman and Medusa kind of managing. Uh, Rick Rude, Stunning Steve Austin, Beautiful Bobby Eaton, The Cruncher, Larry Zabisco, and The Enforcer, Arn Anderson. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, that's 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 a Hall of Fame lineup Fuck yeah. from, you know, all <laughs> everyone, you know, valet included, you know, valet and, and manager included. Like that's that's crazy. Yeah. But, you know, that's how that's how good this this rivalry was and this match was and definitely one of the more underrated, not only underrated factions for the Dangerous Alliance, but this is an underrated war games. I think this one flies under the radar because the horsemen really started the concept with dusty in the, in the early Jim Crockett days. And this one doesn't really get enough love because during this time period, this was WCW 1992. A lot of people, not, not the two of us, but a lot of fans feel that the product wasn't the best. They weren't pumping out the best. Um, when it came to the, you know, the, the, the wrestling and the storylines and, uh, so I, I feel like this is my favorite war games of all time, in my opinion. Agree. Um, my favorite, without a doubt. Um, dare I say, like you said earlier, probably one of the best, if not the best, yeah. um, in terms of action and the story that was told and just the whole buildup leading up to it. But at the same time, you can't you can make a case that some of the earlier ones with the horsemen and I'm talking the original horsemen were the ones that, um, you know, are regarded as some of the best. But, you know, to each his own. Yeah. Um, I think the story, like you said, just building up to this culminating to this match, it it was awesome. There was a lot of interweaving parts, uh, between the dangerous Alliance and stings squadron. Yeah. I mean, you had steamboat who had, you know, been attacked by the dangerous Alliance. They broke his nose, um, on the concrete. And then at the same time, 
they tried to humiliate him by make by making him look like he was a, a, a womanizer and you know um, an adulterer um, cheating on his wife. Yeah, it totally um, he wasn't. Had, you know. Yeah, yeah. Then you had the the rivalry with stunning Steve Austin and Barry Windham over the TV title. We talked about that on a few episodes of Weekend Warriors. Mm-hmm. You know, Larry's. You mentioned him earlier. The Cruncher, Larry Zabisco, was. Um, you know, uh, that Cruncher name came from when he took the the car door of Barry Windham's convertible and slammed it on his hand before he was making his way into the arena at, at Halloween Havoc 1991, um, just a few months prior. Yep. Um, you know, and then the. Nikita's involvement and his, you know, the mystery surrounding him. Can you trust him? The last time he was on WCW television, he had his issues with staying. He had his issues with Luger. Uh, yeah. So I mean, there was there was so many interwoven parts to this story that just kind of lined up and fit very well together. That made this build up to this match like that much more memorable. And like I said, as a kid, I didn't get to order this, but man. Was I pushing my parents hard to be like, can we get Russell War? Can we get Russell War? Um, you know, and this is one of those occasions where they said no. But, yeah, it, it was the, the the story leading up to this match is uh, something that, you know, is very underrated. Oh, definitely. It's awesome, too, with the tag team stuff with Arn Anderson and Larry working against Dustin and uh, Barry. And, you know, possible possible dissension between those two as well. Um, we'll see moving parts as we go along with marking out the day's weekend warriors. If you guys want to catch that, it's chronologically following. So uh, we'll see how the weeks go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's still more to come with this, that's for sure. Yeah. So you uh, you about ready to do this then? Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's go to the WWE Network. You're going to go to the War Games Collection. Uh, we are going to skip past the Wrestle War 1992 entire event. Um, we're going to War Games Wrestle War 1992. Uh, the War Games Collection, May 17th, 1992. Hit that button, hit play. I'll let you guys get ready, and it'll have the intro for the network going. Just hit pause and just wait. And we're going to count down five, four, three, two, one, and then click at zero. So uh, you're going to count down with us, and uh, we're going to start this out. Dave, you ready? Are you prepared? I am ready. Let's do it, man. All right. Five, four, three, two, one. So we got blonde hair Tony Schiavone. And uh, Eric Bischoff here. Young Bucks, huh? Oh, yeah. Now, are you playing with this with the sound on? Yeah, I'm, I'm turning it down. Oh, okay. No, I just wasn't... I, I was curious if, you know, our listeners were going to listen in to the sound with us or if we were just going to... You know, they'll, they'll be able to hear a little bit. Um, faintly, oh, okay. like it's in the background. So they can kind of sync up as well if they want to. Um, gotcha. Okay, yeah. Yeah, this is going to be cool, man. Um, run down here. Yeah. Yeah, they're uh, they're going over the um the the history of the war games here as well as the um the the rivalry between the Dangerous Alliance and the Sting, you know, Sting Squadron like we discussed. Um this was during the Bill Watts era. Yeah. Um when uh when you know Watts used to have um you know uh announcers, you know, like on the stage kind of like as hosts here. Um, there you see Gary Michael Capetta, mm-hmm. one of the most famous ring announcers wrestling in fans. all of wrestling history. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing. Ooh, they got pyro indoors. Way. Yeah, that's safe. I know, right? What do they go somewhere? Do they just you know skyrocket to the top of the roof and just sit there like? Who knows, man? What the heck? Uh, setting off some bottle rockets. Who was that guy, Wildcat Bill? Or who was the... Um, Klondike Bill. Klondike Bill. helped set up the... Um, he, he was their, like, their engineer. He helped create, like, all, you know, the cages, like this one, yeah. the War Games, the Tower of Doom. Um, yeah, he was... Um, if you if you're a regular of the WHW podcast with uh, Tony Schiavone, uh, what happened when? Um, there's a lot of uh, Klondike Bill stories yeah. that um, 
that you know has kind of resurrected his um, his his urban legend. It certainly has. Um, yeah. So he did a good job with this one. He put some fireworks spooters on the top of the cage as it's coming down, about to cover the two rings. And here we get the rules: seven periods in the war game. First period, five minutes. All other periods, two minutes. And they actually followed the time on here. Not like, you know. Yes, they did. Yeah, they did a good job of keeping up with it. Yeah, I like. One man from each team during the first period. After the first period ends, head referee flips the coin and we get it to determine. And after the second period, which is the two on one, and that period ends, other team sends two man making war games a two on two. Yep. And then from there, it's this one is kind of like. Added, right? Yeah, it's just it just goes back and forth. Yep. Which at this point, like I felt like it took longer for them to tell the rules than for you know <laughs> the actual just start the match. damn like, match, we'll get the hang some, of it. Yeah. You know, exactly. Yeah, we could follow along. Just be, you know, you know you can just talk about, you know, the order of succession, you know, coming in one after another, yeah. whoever won the coin toss, et cetera, et cetera. You don't have to keep going back and forth, you know. How about after the third period? Yeah, exactly. How yeah, about we, this for rules of war games? What if uh what if you um can eliminate people while you're in there so your team can be down an advantage you know like that's before all 10 guys get in the yeah, ring is that what you're saying yeah. uh, you know that's interesting um yeah I mean I don't know um I don't know but just thinking maybe we could yeah yeah you know spitball and fuck around figure it out um I remember in TNA when they used to do their lethal lockdown um they would you know, they, they had the six-sided ring. The cage was open. Mm-hmm. But then when all ten guys made it in the ring, then they dropped the ceiling from the cage. Yep, with the weapons. Know, to connect to the cage with the weapons, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Which I thought was a nice little twist. Yeah, I thought that was a nice twist to it. That was one of the things that TNA got right. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, so Jim Ross running down the rules again as if you didn't need to be yeah. reiterated enough. But here we go. Who's coming out first? I believe it's going to be the Dangerous Alliance. Wrestling fans <laughs> making their way down the aisle. Now, did they... Um, if they ever show up... Exactly. Where the hell is he? Now, did they do the coin toss beforehand, or they do it here? Um, I believe they do... Oh, here. Okay. Ducey almost tripped and fell on her ass. I believe they do it um, after the first two guys get in the ring. Okay. Okay. So when the first two are in there, Rick Rude looking coming ripped down the as shit. Austin's looking ripped, too. accompanied by Medusa, weighing in a total combined weight. Of, I could really give a shit. <laughs> Beautiful Bobby Eaton, Arn Anderson, Larry the Cruncher, Zabisco, stunning Steve Austin, and ravishing Rick Rude. They are the Dangerous Alliance. Hell yeah! And they hang out outside the ring the whole time, correct? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, this touch is like too. the old. I do too. I think it's pretty cool. It's got like a team sports oriented. Yeah, and you need that drama like there for the sidelines. Yeah, you need that drama there for them to react to. Yeah. And their opponents making their way down the ring. Check out that fucking jacket. Led by the world heavyweight champion, Sting. It is Sting Squadron. Representing them, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Nikita Koloff. Barry Windham and the androgynous Gold, I mean Dustin Rhodes. Very cool. I loved Sting's uh, jacket as well. Nice. The jean jacket? Nice yeah, that was a little different. Jacket. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, I'm about to have a fucking seizure from the lights. <laughs> Jesus. Well, if you were at WrestleMania 35 in New Jersey during the Randy Orton-AJ Styles match, about 17,000 people almost had a seizure because the fucking lights was blinding them oh, all. Oh, yeah, yeah. And here we see the preparing for battle. There's Klondike Bill right there with the beard. Okay. You just saw him in the background. He was with um, Ricky Bobby or uh, whatever Ricky the fucking Bobby, referee's yeah, name is. Yeah, that's the one. No. Um, <laughs> Pee Wee Anderson. Uh, what, Kenny Powers. Oh. Kenny Powers, yeah. Is that Randy Anderson? Uh, there was Ra- I like how he's got blueprints. Oh, I know. Isn't that cool? Right? Like, he's got like a battle plan, like blueprints. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, it's like design of the cage like the and the ring and and people in there. I wonder if that's like the booking sheet. Oh, and th- and this is interesting. You know, Arn Anderson was known for being the first 
to start a War Games match when he represented the Horsemen. This time around, um, Steve Austin. Oh, yeah. Starting it start. off hot. Ooh. Yeah. And here we are. Barry Windham and stunning Steve Austin. They're getting it on! Oh, yeah. It's really bothering me, though, that Barry Windham only has one knee pad. Um, yeah, um, I didn't. I, I never understood that when guys did that stuff. Like either you wear both knee pads, or you don't wear any at all. Yeah. Um, you know, head first into the cage. Oh, he's trying it. to do it. Steve is uh, backing off and acting like the great heel that he was at the time. Shit heel, and he's only about two and a yeah. half years into the business. Um, yeah, uh, I believe he start, started in '88 or '89. Saying Dallas, the end of '89. Yeah. yeah. And uh, For, was rookie um, of the year. USWA. Yep, and was rookie of the year in 1990. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this is how fresh he is here. And um, listening to his podcast covering this match, he, he went back and said he, he, you know, they gave it five stars. Meltzer at least did. Um, and it's a great match. But he said uh, he felt that his performance wasn't up to par. He was still kind of green, but uh, there were some things that he could have done better but i mean everybody's their own worst critic for me this is great exactly yeah exactly everyone's their own worst critic and you you know you also got to remember too like there's there's eight other guys in the match too so yeah it's a lot of people um, yeah there's a lot to keep track of here there you see the the booking sheet i mean oh i'm sorry the blueprints (laughs) um paul Heyman and medusa the spot list it's basically all right he's about to do spot 34c Okay, so beautiful Bobby, <laughs> what I'm going to need you to do is you're going to climb up the top rope and grab the cage and do the Alabama jam in the middle of the ring. Hell yeah. Good spot. Uh, and then my beast, Brock. Oh, wait a minute. Excuse me. Larry the Grunter. Oh, yeah. Nice DDT by Wyndham. Yeah, definitely. Barry Windham wearing those patented cowboy boots too. Like I said, I used to love those, and then like anytime I saw a wrestler wear those, I thought either well, number one, they're from Texas, or two, they're either related to someone that wears them, or you know, yeah, we talked about this. They're right. all related. Um, I like yeah, Steve Austin. Related. I like Steve Austin. They're fighting off. Um, that was good. A little different, you know, rather yeah. than just eating it. Um, yeah, no, you gotta, you gotta. You can't, you know, you, you, you got to, you know, build the heat. Oh, definitely. You know? Ooh, nice spot. Clothesline over oh. the top rope from the other ring. Some uh, some that. Lucha high spots from damn Steve Austin. <laughs> Goddamn, kid. Got to drop me a clothesline over two top ropes. Not just one, but two. I land that son of a bitch. Oh, my oh, God. That. Ooh, that looked dangerous for a second. Luckily, he held on. But uh, good, good move there. Yeah. Jesse, the body's on um, commentary as well with Jim Ross. Yeah, he's doing the color. Yeah. Jr. I know. <laughs> it's a conspiracy. This is one where um, Austin definitely gets busted open. Good, right, and good. I think they all do. Yeah, but uh, I think they all got colored. Austin point. is bleeding like a pig in this one, if I remember correctly. You you are probably correct. I think it starts here, getting shredded into that fence. That's yeah, what like they the need cabbage, too. Yeah. That, like I love the elimination chamber. That's all good and stuff. But uh, we need cage. We need the steel. It needs the hurt. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's. On one hand, we tell, oh, we're, we're, he is busted. this period's about to end. He is busted open. Um, I mean, I'm guessing, you know, the, the 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 chamber aspect is to kind of differentiate itself from the steel cage when they have, like, the chain link. Yes, yeah. Um, but at the same time, they've also redesigned it over the last couple of years, and they've made it um, a lot safer uh, than it used to be. Area, ooh. Biting his head. Sorry. Yeah, Ugh. they made it a lot safer. Yeah. That's the thing. I don't want it to be safe, Dave. I don't want it. I don't want a damn table that breaks away every time. Yeah. <laughs> I want it to fucking God hurt. Damn, you're bloodthirsty, yeah. aren't you? 
it just takes away it just takes left. away from the realism of it for me. I get that they set it oh, up for prop stuff. You know, we, we're supposed to yeah, appreciate that. You. Look at this sting going in. Oh no, oh, this, this the is co- the coin toss. Nice. Ah, made sure to not yeah, let anybody the heels see that. Always get yeah, the, win. the heels yeah. somehow always miraculously win. Rick Rude yeah. coming in looking like a fucking just a god here. Yeah, a beast. Yeah. Look at that. It's very Wyndham. Knee to the gut. Yeah, and Rude would be um, NWA champion here soon. Um, did he win the, or was it, or did they call that, did he win the big gold belt when it was called the international title? Ah, uh, that's what it was. Yes. The international okay. title. Cause there was some sort of like issues with the, with the national wrestling Alliance and WCW. Um, yeah, it was the property towards the end of 92 intellectual property of the belts. Yeah. But, uh, they, WCW somehow, you know, walked away with that, uh, that big gold belt. Reclaiming, yeah, that was rather strange. Yeah, I think I didn't know how that was going to turn out. I think there's some 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 details on the internet about like the litigations, um, you know, the the details about uh, how that went down. Um, I know it was it was basically awarded to them, like, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think also, too, the NWA was also trying to at this point distance themselves, and I think they. When Flair took the big gold belt over to WWF, that was like, I think they, if I remember correctly, I've heard stories, I think that they were, oh yeah, Austin is really busted open, wow. Um, I think they were, um, they were a little upset at WCW that they allowed that to happen. Yeah. Um, And I think when they tried to distance themselves um, towards the end of 93, they just said, fuck it keep the belt <laughs> right and then we you get know? the uh and they were going with the with the original you know the the the, the dome globe oh there yep. he is and then you Looks get the like... stuff with shane douglas um so yeah yeah tough there tough luck for Steamboat nwa yeah he's he's coming in here hot as hell everybody's like we said him and rick rude are coming over uh big huge stars in wwf no matter what you say i mean wcw was popular but the big show where everybody saw stuff was wwf um so these guys yeah, coming in on a here now scale. and having this feud was really hot for the territory. And Jesus, is he over? Oh yeah, they're going crazy for him. I mean, he was he was really like uh, aside from Sting. I mean, they were all targets, but like the most sympathetic out of the bunch is probably Steamboat. Yeah. Um, when you when you look at it, you know the way that he he sells a beating, and you know he's. For weeks leading up to this match, he was still wearing that tape over his nose. Yeah, this is really getting him a lot of sympathy here. Um, and he's a great baby face. Um, there's no other way to put it. No, he's probably, in my opinion, I would say like one of the most organic. I'd go top five baby faces of all time. Yeah, um, Certainly. You know, nice Hurricane Rana uh, there, too. It was a slower one, but, you know, for 1992 and those big guys in that kind of small enclosure... He pulled it off. Yeah, and you didn't see stuff like that in 92 as well. You didn't see Hurricane Rana's, at least on, you know, American wrestling television. You may have seen it overseas or internationally, but you didn't see it, um, you know, uh, WWF and WCW, the mainstream, I guess you could call it. Mm Mm-hmm. Medusa. The bottom of the screen. Looking lovely. Yeah. She could be on the bottom any day for me. I'll tell you that right now. (laughs) I think uh, Cruncher or who's Arn's next looks like it. The veteran double A Arn Anderson. Yeah, coming in later mid match. Uh, like you said, not too normal for him. Usually he's the guy working the whole match. You ever hear the joke Arn Anderson told to Tony Schiavone about his kids? No. Please do. This is great. Oh God, beautiful so, DDT. I love that DDT, and I've talked about that too before. DDTs, and you know that was my favorite finisher of all time. Buster? When guy got a hit with a DDT, Ugh. and the oh, yeah. I mean, there's no other way to put it. That guy is just incredible. Yeah, in my opinion, the greatest wrestler to never wear the heavyweight championship. Definitely. And he could have been believable as a cha- as a world champion, in my opinion. Um, Go ahead, but so. The story. 
This was um, so Shivani told this story once on this podcast. Basically, um, this was when Crockett was really, you know, full steam ahead, making money, and that was when they were um, they were spending a lot of money and they were uh, flying guys on those jets mm-hmm. that that they purchased. Yeah, and Dusty, the Midnights, the Horsemen, Nikita, all the top guys basically flew the jets, and some of the. The um, the announcers and some of the officials in the company um, would also fly the jets as well. David Crockett, Tony Schiavone, um, Bob Caudill, you know names like that. So anyhow, um, there's a there's a, there's a nice pile yeah. driver by Rick Rude textbook right there. Um, so Schiavone um, is is getting ready to go go on the jet, and uh, Arn Anderson. <laughs> Recalls um, being on the jet waiting, and the door was oh, open. Oh, Jesus Christ! Sorry, steamboat just flew across both of the. Nice rings. bump. That was a nice bump. Yeah, um, and Anderson, uh, you know, the doors open to the jet, and all of a sudden he could hear this commotion, and he looks around, and Shivani's getting out of the car, and he's kissing his wife Lois, and they got about four or five kids in this station wagon. Yeah. And uh, you hear all this commotion with all these kids hooting and hollering, you know, saying goodbye to him or whatever before he goes on the next tour. Tony gets on the jet. They shut the jet and they go to take off. And Arn Anderson goes, God damn, Tony. He goes, you got so much cum, you could shampoo a buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> Referring to all kids. his kids. I thought that was the greatest line ever. Yeah, that's funny as shit. Dustin Runnels coming in here hot as hell right now. Oh, Steve Austin hitting the top of his head. Jeez, eating a hell of a clothesline too. I like how he sold that too. When he hit, hit his top of the head on the cage yeah. too, because that certainly wasn't planned. Yeah. Barry Windham just yeah. dosy doed back and forth to the rings. He was like, "Oh, oh leave it to Rick and uh, Rick in this ring." Sorry, got back over. Yeah. Yeah, I love the uh, the look of like this camera angle. They're using a. Uh, a boom and it, it looks great. Wow, nice backdrop. Yeah. That could have been dangerous. But uh yeah, that was great. I know that um uh WWE did something similar like that for a little while. Um in in recent years. Um I believe um at all in um if I'm not mistaken, I believe Keith Mitchell was helping produce um uh, the 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 all in pay per view. Okay. Uh, which he's he's on board with uh, all elite wrestling. Yeah, he's all in. Um, yeah, he's he's all in. <laughs> no pun intended. And so, um, I believe this is a Keith Mitchell uh, staple right here. Um, the way that he had produced it with that crane, okay. that boom camera, yep. the crane. Um, yeah, I love shots like over that. Over shot because they they did a lot of shots like that for all in. Um, if you go back and you watch that event, which I thought was pretty cool, and um, it. It reminded me a lot of like if you watch a football game and they have like the wire camera on the field and sometimes the camera will go really fast and will fly by and then other times it will just kind of like slow down and it will stop when the um, when the next play is about to take place. Yeah. When the quarterback goes to hike the balls, we see uh, Larry Zabisco entering the cage met with a few right hands from Dustin Rose, baby. Dustin, Dustin yeah. Rose. Um, it, it, it's. Oh, hey, yeah. Now. Mm-hmm. She made sure to wear oh, she's something wearing, under. She's wearing a little shorts. Boo! Oh, so, um, yeah. oh, she, she goes down and uh, passes this, uh, the big cell phone through the cage. Uh, now Sting... How's Paulie ever going to... Sting's up there. Oh, this is cool. I would not be... I would not feel safe. Yeah, that cage is... Uh, it's abandoned. Sinking in. Yeah. Klondike Bill, I guess, didn't construct it that well. Yeah. She she comes back down. Piece of tape stuck to her foot. Um, yeah, there you go. Talking about the Keith Mitchell and the, the, the views and the camera angles. That's one thing I love about the difference of uh, WCW and uh, what we could get the potential with AEW. It's just a different look at wrestling. Um, it just... Man, it gives it a whole different feel because we're so used to the shots of WWE. They've been doing these same camera angles and takes for years now. Yeah, I've had talks with people, my brother included, where we have said, you know, I think that 
from a production standpoint, they need to kind of switch it up and how the way wrestling's not only presented, but the way it's shot as well. Um, uh, you know, I know for a while they were doing those little corner cameras mm-hmm. um, where they would have like a camera um, like in, like on the post. Um, and I thought that was kind of cool, but they didn't use that enough. I felt like they, they would tease it here and there, but it wasn't used enough, you know? Like, give us the view of what the guy in the corner looks like as he's going to tag his partner to try and get the ring. Ooh, yeah. They didn't do enough Good of call. that stuff. Yeah. Here we go. Sting coming you know? in. Kicks and kicks and kicks and chops. Handling some business. But I always like the studio so shots there. that they have for WCW Saturday night during the, the you know the the final match. I love this, just lifting him up into the cage. Well, we've got four on four right now, so we still got two guys on each side. They're left. Uh, one guy on each one side that's left. Each, I think. Yeah. So it looks like Nikita. 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 Do it, Sting. I'll be there for you. Um, and then uh, beautiful Bobby Ooh. Eaton, who's got about as much person. Oh, Jesus. That was something. Bobby Eaton, who's got about as much personality as a doorknob. Oh, man. Arn is uh, bleeding out, too. Yeah, they're all they're all getting color. They're all getting color of the hot way, Ooh, baby. Taping right the hand up of Bobby Eaton. See, the way that this is done, oh. like, it just reminds me a lot of, like... Like that shot there they showed with Medusa taping up his hand. It just reminds me of like that, like that sports kind of, you know, vibe with like the sideline shot, you know, the action, like you could, the the cameraman's on the sideline, you know, I I thought that was very innovative for this match. It's, it's WCW style. Like we said, around this time, they were very sports uh, driven. Yeah, every main event on Saturday night was a two out of three falls match. Yep. Some good, oh my no, God, Rick, know, Rick. some others. <laughs> this is interesting. The head in the... Yeah. Uh, are they going to do it? Oh, no, they're just, just wishboning them. Wishboning them. <laughs> Jesus. I don't remember that spot. <laughs> I think someone did that on a recent War Games on NXT. Yes, yes. Who it was, uh, that was a good spot. I think someone did it. Yeah. Did you see the MLW War Games by chance? Um, Not the most recent one. No, I did not. I heard it was pretty good. It was okay. Yeah? Oh, really? Okay. See, (sighs) I heard heard other reviews, but Dustin with a boot that didn't go anywhere near Steve Austin. Holy cow, he's bleeding like a... I gotta sell it, though, but that's a conspiracy. (laughs) Pulling him out back to back. Clean... Clean and mean, beautiful Bobby Eaton. Yes, indeed. See if he gets some color in this match. I don't know. I Like I said, I think they all got it at some point, except for Sting, because he had paint on, so couldn't give him color. Ah, this is where the finish is coming into play. And the, yeah, uh, this is gonna... the, the also leads to the dissolvement of the DA, f- furthering those parts. Yeah. This, you know what, like, this, I'm not saying that the Dangerous Alliance should have lasted forever, but I felt like it went down, they they went downhill pretty fast after they dumped Zabisco. It seemed like they just kind of all went their separate ways, and, um, or at least split off, and they weren't as tight of a unit, I should say. Oh, yeah. Um, Because even though they... and I, I, I was I was disappointed in that um, because I really thought that the Dangerous Alliance was, was like I said, it was a big deal, something special. And um, for this time in WCW, um, I was kind of disappointed. Yeah, it was a stable. Arn Anderson. Um, yeah. You don't get that too much in wrestling. I mean, we had the Heenan family, but they never really, like, teamed except for Survivor Series. Um, yeah. <laughs> this was cool because we had mixed tags going into it, six mans, uh, and we'll get stuff even after it. Yeah, there's actually going to be a six man on the uh, the, the next uh, uh, episode of uh, WCW Saturday Night that we'll yep. cover. Episode uh, five on, on our Weekend Warriors. Yeah, episode five where it will be uh, Nikita, uh, Steamboat, and uh, and Dustin against Sabisco, Anderson, and uh, beautiful Bobby Eaton. Yep. So that should be. Now a, let's get to uh, this part. Interesting. Uh, yeah, this. Yeah, this is. Uh, this is a great moment here. 
the fans yeah, just fucking popped for it. And then we well, here's the here's the funny here's the funny thing. This is thing, good too. Okay? This is good. Yeah, no, this is good. Oh, here we go. Oh, we took the bullet for him. Yep. All right, but here, all right, here's where my logic comes in. Okay, they're building up that you know Sting and Nikita had a history, and the two of them, you know, hadn't gotten along, and but they have one common enemy in the Dangerous Alliance. All right, you're Sting. You have the Sting Squadron. Why did you put Nikita on your team if you had your doubts about him? I mean, did, did was what was the point of building up to? Yeah, this, I think he had mentioned that it maybe it was like yeah to prove your self but yeah it was it was interesting yeah it, it they should have had this moment beforehand either that or if they were going to milk it for that long long of a long period of time then maybe they should have you know uh built it up so that there was a mystery behind who the fifth man was going to be a part of the sting squadron was nikita going to come you know nikita's offering his services and go. sting squadron is still very iffy about having him team up but they can't find anyone else to do it there you, go. you know maybe if nikita showed up as the fifth man at the end and then they get to that moment it would make sense but you guys are playing nice for all these weeks now all of a sudden you're going to have that you know that 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 moment of clarity in the ring at that at that time it just i don't know it just yeah everything about the storyline's been great but that just kind of didn't make sense to me all right now they got the post off uh hmm, he's oh. he's readjusting the buckle so that it will work for the finish. Oh, he's got to... Yeah, he's got to add a piece to it. Thanks for getting all of that, camera guy. <laughs> we got... I don't think it was meant to be a... Meant to, to appear like it was a botch of some kind, but it, it wasn't like the... Um, the the lever from the electric chair when oh, Abdul God. the Butcher got put in the electric chair. Yeah. It wasn't like that, but... Oh man, yeah. this ring is just a mess. These guys are bleeding like crazy. I forgot how bloody this match yeah, was. Austin has uh, wrist tape on, but you can't see it. It's that brown and red. Here's the thing: Zabisco looks like he's tapping. In 2019, the match should be over. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're absolutely right. You gotta say you submit though. Right, yeah. You know, and that's the other thing too. Like. What if, like, the referee got in the ring with the microphone and you had to hear it? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Kind of like they do with I Quit matches. Maybe that would make the submission rule the The finish, yeah, the finish kind of have yeah. a bigger pop. Jesus. Ooh. That was a, that was a tight spot yes, there. it was. I will say that the way this match is being presented now... Here um, we go, the finish... The camera shots and everything—it's just uh, they're do, they're doing a job, good job keeping yeah. up, especially with all those guys in the ring. Yeah, I don't feel because you know, sometimes that stuff can get a little confusing, and you could be like, "What the hell's going on?" Mm-hmm. But oh, here it is. This is it right here, the beginning of the end. As we see, boom! Right in the arm. Got it locked in. There it is. We are reaching the end, I believe. That's it. That's it. Fonzie says it's it. There's Bill Alfonso, the referee. And this is the end here. Your winners of this match from the 1992 Wrestle War pay per view, the War Games, Stings Squadron. Ladies and gentlemen, your winners via submission, Sting Squadron. Honestly, a, a, like a flawless match. Not too many mistakes at all. And uh, it was a watchable one. Uh, didn't drag at any moment. No, it resembled a good brawl. And it wasn't, you know, it didn't feel, like you said, dragging or yeah, here's the friction here. Mm-hmm. Dangerous Alliance not happy with Larry Zabisco here. Don't blame him. Just lost the match. He's like, what the hell? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hit him. Uh, and there's the heroes. Sting in the Kita. Celebrating at the railway. 
the entrance ramp. Oh. Oh. Maybe he's going to hit him with the mm-hmm. phone. Oh. Yeah, and the, the Titanic has just hit the iceberg. Yes, indeed it has. Great war games, man. Great war games. Yeah. Yeah, this is definitely a lot of fun. Uh, fun to go back and uh, and, and watch this match. And, uh, and he whacks uh, him pretty good. We got good a replay here. here. Yeah. I mean, he gets him on the arm and, you know. But still, nonetheless. Believable for that time period. Sting nailing Zabisco. Yeah. Pretty good chat. And then going for the... Yeah, going for the, uh, and you know, I'm glad that they stuck with the finish. That, you know, he busts the arm, so then Sting makes him submit with like a, a standard kind of, you know, arm bar, which I thought was pretty cool. Yep. Well, that was it, and then we get Tony and Eric giving us a little rundown. They should have just ended it, you know, climactically, but uh. Yeah, they should have rolled credits at least with these guys in the ring arguing. And then we just kind of, you know, we're out of time. We got to go. We'll see you next week. Yeah. 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 But. uh, Oh, man, that was fun, though. What a good one. Um, That that definitely was a lot of fun. I certainly enjoyed it. And I hope all of you enjoyed going back and watching this classic match with us here as we provided you with uh, some bonus content. Um for our, uh, you know, marking out the day's weekend warriors, which, by the way, thank you guys all for voting and being a part of the poll. Um, I've been doing some polls over on Kicking Out at 2, and I thought, you know, why not poll some of the, you know, listeners from, uh, you know, marking out the day's weekend warriors and see what you guys want to join us and be a part of these watch parties with. Um, so thank you guys all so much. Unanimously, you voted for the War Games match, and you guys made a great choice. So uh, hope you all enjoyed this uh, this trip down memory lane with uh, Wrestle War 1992. Yes, indeed. Thank you guys so much, and thanks, Dave, for doing this. Um, I enjoyed it. And you guys can catch everything, yeah. the archive of Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast over on Podbean or searching any podcast app, Retromania with a W. You can find Dave at Kicking Out at 2 over on... Facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out at 2. Hit that like button if you haven't already. If you have, tell a friend to hit the like button. Uh, Tell anyone to hit the like button that loves wrestling, that loves nostalgic pro wrestling from the 80s, 90s, and early to mid-2000s. We're also on Twitter. You can follow us. Please do. If you don't have a Twitter, get a Twitter just to follow us because we do some pretty cool stuff over there on Twitter as well. Our handle is at Kicking Out 2, K-I-C-K-N-O-U-T, and the number 2. Yes, man. Uh, Look forward to it. Catch you next week on Marking Out the Days, and we will be doing some more bonus uh, content watch-along stuff for you guys uh, here in the next couple weeks. So stay tuned. Um, Just follow us on Facebook at Retromania with a W. You can write to us at RetromaniaPodcast at gmail.com. Or, like you said, I need to update the Twitter, um, but I'm going to get on it. RetromaniaPod over at Twitter. And uh, that'll have all the updates of everything going on. Um, Like you said, Facebook's a cool community there because we got little videos and fun stuff that we share all the time and polls and uh, updating, you know, what's going on with the shows. So that's a good way to keep in touch with us. Yes, certainly indeed. All right, that's it, everybody. We will um, catch you next time.